your seats. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 12. And happy Thanksgiving for all my American friends. I did not celebrate. I know, I'm terrible. Like, this is just a hard day. I feel like it's, you're tired after a long week. And so I think I ate, like, leftover lasagna and some buffalo chicken dip is what I had for dinner. So certainly not even close to a, a turkey dinner. I've been here for 16 years, and you just kind of lose, you lose it after a while. But, Nehemiah chapter 12, we are nearly at the end. This is the climax of the book. We have one more chapter next week. And it's the also one of the best chapters of the book. This chapter is also really amazing, but there are a ton of names, which we are going to read. So, Nehemiah chapter 12. Now remember, this is near the end of the book. The wall is built. Nehemiah brought people into Jerusalem, from Babylon, into Judah, and then from Judah into the city, the city of God we talked about last week. Starting in verse 1. These are the priests and the Levites who came up with Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, Sarahiah, Jeremiah, Ezra, Amariah, Maluch, Hattush, Shechaniah, Rahum, Meramoth, Edu, Jinathoi, Abijah, Mijamin, Maadiah, Bilga, Shemaiah, Jogoreb, Jedaiah, Salu, Amok, Helkiah, Jedaiah. These were the chiefs of the priests and of their brothers in the days of Jeshua. And the Levites, Jeshua, Binuai, Kadmiel, Sherebiah, Judah, and Metaniah, who with his brothers was in charge of the songs of thanksgiving. And Bakbukiah and Uni and their brothers stood opposite them in the service. And Jeshua was the father of Joachim, Joachim the father of Eliashib, Eliashib the father of Joiada. Joiada, the father of Jonathan, and Jonathan, the father of Jadua. <clears throat> and in the days of Joachim were priests, heads of the father's houses, of Sarahiah, Merahiah, Jeremiah, Hananiah, of Ezra, Meshulam, Amariah, and jo- uh, Jehohanan, of Maluki, Jonathan, of Sher- Shebaniah, Joseph, of Haram, Adna, of Marioth, Helkai, of Edu, Zechariah, of Jinathon, Meshulam, of Abijah, Zechri, of Meniamin, of Modiah, Piltai, of Bilga, Shamua, of Shemaiah, Jeho, Jehohanathan, of uh, Joyer, of Metani, of Jedaiah, Uzi, of, of Salai, Kilai, of Amok, Eber, of Hilkiah, Hashabiah, of Jedaiah, Nathanael. In the days of Eliashib, Joiada, Johanan, Jed, and Jedua, the Levites were recorded as heads of the fathers' houses. So too were the priests in the reign of Darius the Persian. 
As for the sons of Levi, the heads of fathers, <clears throat> the heads of fathers' houses were written in the book of the Chronicles until the days of Jehohanan, the son of Eliashib. And the chiefs of the Levites, Heshabiah, Sherebiah, and Jeshua, the son of Cadmiel, with their brothers who stood opposite them, to praise and give thanks according to the commandment of David, the man of God, watch by watch. Mataniah, Bakukiah, Obadiah, Meshulam, Talmon, and Akub were gatekeepers standing guard at the storehouses of the gates. These were in the days of Joachim, the son of Jeshua, son of Josedek, and in the days of Nehemiah, the governor, and of Ezra, the priest and scribe. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgiving, and with singing, with cymbals, harps, and lyres. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the districts surrounding Jerusalem and from the villages of the Netophathites, also from uh, Beth Gilgal and from the region of Geba and Asmaveth, for the singers had built for themselves villages around Jerusalem. I think we have the map of the villages around Jerusalem. We, is it possible to get there? Might be helpful for some people. Next one. Previous one? Nothing? Nope. Why is it not showing up? I, okay. But keep this map here. This, we're going to talk about the wall as well. Um, and the priests and the Levites purified themselves, and they purified the people and the gates and the wall. Then I brought the leaders of Judah up onto the wall and appointed two great choirs and gave thanks. <coughs> One went to the south on the wall to the dung gate. And after them went Hoshaiah and half of the leaders of Judah. And Azariah, Ezra, Meshulam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, and Jeremiah. And certain of the priest's sons with trumpets. Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, son of Shemaiah, son of Mataniah son of Micaiah, son of Zachor, son of Asaph, and his relatives, Shemaiah, uh, Azarel, Milalai, Gilalai, Maai, Nathanael, Judah, and Hanani, with the musical instruments of David, the man of God. And Ezra the scribe went before them. At the fountain gates, they went up straight before them by the stairs of the city of David, at the ascent of the wall above the house of David to the water gate on the east. The other choir who gave thanks went to the north, and I followed them with half of the people on the wall above the tower of the ovens to the broad wall, and above the gate of Ephraim, and by the gate of Yeshanah, and by the fish gate, and the tower of Hananel, and the tower of the hundred to the sheep gate. And they came to a halt at the gate of the guard. So both choirs of those who gave thanks stood in the house of God, and I and half of the officials with me, and the priests Eliakim, Maasiah, uh, Menimian, Micaiah, Eloani, Zechariah, and Hananiah with trumpets. And Maasiah, Shemaiah, Eleazar, Uzi, Jehohanan, Milkajah, Elam, and Ezer. And the singers sang, sang with Jezehiah as their leader. And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. On that day, men were appointed over the storerooms, the contributions, the first fruits, and the tithes to gather 
into them the portions required by the law for the priests and for the Levites according to the fields of the towns. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered. And they performed the service of their God in the service of purification, as did the singers and the gatekeepers according to the command of David and his son Solomon. For long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, there were directors of the singers, and there were songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. And all Israel, in the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah, gave the daily portions for the singers and the gatekeepers, and they set apart that which was for the Levites, and the Levites set apart that which was for the sons of Aaron. May God bless the reading of his word. So, here's the big idea. There are four features of worshiping God. I have four features of worshiping God that are mentioned in this chapter. Now, some background. Like I said, this is the climax of the book. This is the dedication of the wall. After all their opposition, right, Nehemiah being a man, just like you and me, having a calling from God to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He heard about the walls broken down. He wept for months and decided he wanted to contribute and be part of the people of God again in Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. Remember, Jerusalem is symbolic in a lot of ways for the city of God. In the Old Testament, the city of God was Jerusalem. This is where people came to worship the one true God, was in this place. So the wall was rebuilt. So the, And then... Nehemiah calls people back from Babylon. About 10% of those people come. 50,000 people. They come, they gather in Judah, in their homeland. And the Torah is read. Ezra, the scribe, right? Contemporary of Nehemiah. Same lifetime. Working together some. He reads the entire Torah to the people, which has not been read or studied for nearly a thousand years. Right, the people of God reading the Torah. So the people celebrate. They call this is a day of rejoicing. This is an important day. Because they recovered the Torah. They, are one, they want to be God's people again. Right? They were God's people because of their heritage. But they were not obeying God as God's people. So these people are saying, yes, we want to be under God's rule and law. They celebrate. They, then they confess their sin because in the Torah is all the rules that they have been breaking for a thousand years. So not, not a, kind of a downer. So they're confessors and they say, they apologize. They say, God, we want to be like you. We want to be with you. We want to obey you because you are our God. Then they covenant. They make a covenant, which is like a treaty to say, we want to obey the law. The law that you gave us to your servant Moses we are going to commit to do this again. Then the people resettle into Jerusalem. We talked about that last week. Right? Even though people came from Babylon into towns, it's an agrarian society. So many people just went into the surrounding villages around Jerusalem. But Jerusalem was still empty. 
You got a wall, you've got a temple, but you need people, right? City is people. This is why I think God loves cities, because there's more people, more souls in cities than in towns. So God loves the city, and, he want, they, and Nehemiah decided to bring 10% by lottery, and those people who volunteered to live in Jerusalem, leaving their life behind, were blessed. So they resettle into Jerusalem, and that's where we are now. So there's more names, right? We saw at the beginning of this chapter. Tons of names. Why are these names there? It is to show the importance of the priests and the Levites as servants of the temple and of God. That's why before the dedication of the wall, they list the Levites and the priests. Because the sons the sons of the tribe of Levi, God called these people to work and serve in the temple. So you, you didn't have to have a resume. If, if you are born from this tribe, that was your job. And then from the Levi came Aaron. And then from Aaron's son became the priests, the leaders, the pastors. So here is to show the line, the lineage of the priests and the Levites from the end of the exile, right? Remember, Ezra and Nehemiah are one book in the Jewish Bible, right? We're separating them out. We did Nehemiah, but it, Ezra goes from all the way from Zerubbabel at the end of the exile from Babylon until now. Right, so it's listing the, the lineage from Zerubbabel, from Joachim, Ezra, of all the, the, the priests and um, Levites, all the way down to Ezra and Nehemiah, because it's important, it was important for them to know where they came from, to prove their identity. Not unlike this culture today, it seems so, like it's hard to even think of an illustration from my culture, because... It's all about the opposite, about that you as an individual, right? It's me, and I make a life for myself. But these people, no, it's about where you came from, your lineage. And I think there's value in just, this is just a side comment, not in my sermon. It's valuable to know who you are. And knowing where you come from will tell you a lot about who you are. We may think we're different than we're our parents, but that we'll never be like them, but that is not true. We are very much like the culture we're shaped to be. Even if we love Jesus, and Jesus does change us and transform us, but we are still people who come from other people who have the same proclivities. So knowing who they were, they, I think they, we can learn something from them. And then they dedicate the wall. Right? They dedicate the wall to God. God enabled Nehemiah to overcome impossible obstacles to build this wall. Right? He had to get the king's permission. Why would the king want to let people go back to their homeland? As the king of the, per the greatest empire of the day, the Persian Empire. But God sovereignly allowed him to do that. He had enemies. Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem taunted him and mocked him. He had internal strife 
among Jews enslaving, enslaving and using one another. But through all that difficulty, Nehemiah and the people who worked on the wall, they overcame that because God wanted this to happen. And then people were brought back to God's city. And so why is it important to be back in the city of God? This is my background. Okay, I haven't gotten to the worship part yet. Okay, this is the introduction. Why is that important? Because the temple is where, in Jerusalem, is where God's presence manifested itself. When Solomon made the temple and dedicated it to, to God, smoke filled the temple. And that's where the people understood the presence of God was. And it also, there's prophecies of saying the people, all the people of the world will come back to the temple and worship God. This is what they were thinking. Now, it doesn't happen the way they, they, they thought, but here are some of the scriptures. If you look at it, Ezekiel 43, it says, as the glory of the Lord entered the temple by the gate facing east, the Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court. And behold, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. So the people were looking at that prophecy saying, God's going to return to the temple, and God's glory is going to be there. And not just for the Jews, but for all the people. Because if you go back to Genesis 12, God told Abraham... And in you, Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So they're looking at these scriptures, and they, they have these scriptures, and they're saying, okay, God, if you want to fulfill your promise that the, the whole world is blessed through our people, it's got to be through the temple. So that's why they repopulated and rebuilt the walls. Because if this is the place that God's supposed to be, we want to make sure it's ready for people to come and worship. And the whole thing becomes a worship service. Right? People are brought from all the villages to worship God, to celebrate this dedication to the world that God did. It's a worship service. And we talked about this a little bit before, but worship is... The question is, what is worship? And the answer is, it's whatever we love the most. It's whatever we adore the most. It's whatever we value best. It's whatever we appreciate the most. It's whatever we respect. That is worship. It's a word that we, as in Christianese, we kind of we lose track of what that means. But it's something we value the most, and we appreciate, and we love. That's what worship is. So there's four features in this chapter of worshiping God. The first one is that worship features giving thanks to God. This is my Thanksgiving part of the message. Thanksgiving is about thanking God for what we have. And this sermon has some Thanksgiving. And this is the most mentioned word Thanks for Thanksgiving in this chapter is mentioned seven times. Right, if you look at verse 8, there's songs of thanksgiving. If you look at 24, praise and give thanks. If you look at 27, with thanksgivings. 31, gave thanks. 32, 
38 gave thanks, 40 gave thanks, and then um, 46, thanksgiving to God. So giving thanks, worship features, part of worship involves giving thanks to God. So the Levites, they're, they're coming to the, to the Jerusalem, and as they're worshiping God for the dedication of the wall, they are making songs of thanksgiving. Right? Two choirs were appointed to give thanks through song. Now, for us, the application is a big part of worship is giving thanks to God. Now, seems simple, right? But how often do we actually give thanks? When I think about it, it's very rare. Because I, maybe like you, we often think about problems that we need to solve. We are future-oriented creatures, right? We solve problems. That's what we're great at. So we have to identify the problem and we try to solve it. Right? Like I, I told you, I moved a couple months ago. There's a ton of problems that need to be solved. And my mind was completely focused on packing up, looking at apartments, finding a place, finish packing up, having movers come that don't destroy your stuff, having a, picking the date, moving in, unpacking, cleaning, fixing broken things, and it goes on. We're probably in between the fixing broken things and unpacking still. Right, so it's this endless list of things that we have. And if you're like me, you probably have a, I have a to-do list. And that list gets longer every week. And we love checking the boxes off, right? That's normal. Of course, we're supposed to solve problems. That's part of creation. It's part of our, our God-mandated order, right? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. That means solving problems. But that's not worship. Worship is thanking God for what he's already done in our lives. Giving thanks also requires some thought and reflection. You have to slow down to do this. Because if not, we're full speed ahead. Next thing, next thing, next thing. Especially here in Kuwait. It is a fast-moving world here. Life goes a million miles a minute. So we've got to find a way to slow down and be thankful for what God's given us. Right? God himself he made you and me we're formed by him he saved us through the blood of Jesus the temple that the people thought they were going to worship God Jesus said tear down this temple so the temple came through a man Jesus and Jesus lived a perfect life died in our place on the cross for my sins and your sins and rose again on the third day so all those who believe in Jesus, we are forgiven. We can be thankful for that. That Jesus paid the price that we should have paid. He gave many of us great jobs that pay far more than what we need to survive. Far more than just our daily bread. God provides for us with good jobs. He gave us a good, many of us good, great salaries to help us to survive and provide for ourselves, our families, and others. And that we have survived everything in life so far. 
we're all here right we have God has brought us here right we've all gone through difficult things terrible things challenging things but God has we survived all those things and we're here and God has blessed us in it that's why it says when I pray before it says they give thanks in all things right even good things and bad things not for all things I'm not thanking God that this terrible thing happened but I'm taking God in it that he's going to use it for his glory and for my good every specific situation there's so many I can thank God for even for me I was just I, obviously I'm praying the sermon so I'm trying to give thanks as well just thanking God that my kids are in school and I they are thriving they're happy there they're having fun that's something I can be thankful for I'm thankful that my family is no longer sick we're actually all four of us are relatively healthy which is amazing um, my kids also I always nervous with them swimming but they're being becoming better swimmers all the time there's just there's just some small it doesn't have to be huge things like I mentioned, it can be small things we'd be thankful for. That we made it to church on time today. Relatively on time. Right? And as we thank God, we grow in love and we worship Him. Thanking God is, is one of the main ways that we worship Him because God is one who does all the work. God says, many scriptures say, you know, you cry out to me, I will deliver you, and then you will worship me. You will thank me. Right? That's what worship worship is, is about thanking us for what we have. And we have to do it. This should be part of your daily devotions. Okay, to encourage you. Not just reading scripture and asking for the things that you need, but also thanking God for the things that we have. That will turn our heart more towards God. Secondly, worship involves music. Right? It talks about songs in verse 8. Praise in 24. In 27, um, with singing, cymbals, harps, lyres. Two great choirs, trumpets, musical instruments. Singers sang. And 45 singers, 46 singers, songs. Right? This was a worship. This is a worship day for the people of Israel. They worshiped with music. In charge of the songs. Right? The Levites are coming from all these towns surrounding Jerusalem with their cymbals, with their harps, with their all their Middle Eastern ancient string instruments. They were ready to rock and roll. Right? They got two whole choirs. A lot of the narrative is spent talking about where these choirs go at the south and the north to sing. That's a lot of it. And as believers, we sing. Right? This is why our Friday service has music. It's not something we like, oh, we've got some time to kill. Let's have some songs. No. This has been around long before, I think as before preaching was around. The 
It's not an extra optional thing. Right? We have a whole book of the Bible which were songs. We read them as psalms today, but they if you look at the, the first verse or before it, it talks about their musical instruments and what songs they were sung to at the time. They're songs. We sing. And I encourage not just yes, of course, we worship here. This is an important part of what we do is worship through song. But even in your small groups. I've been to many life groups where you you know open up with a couple songs. Songs of the Lord. If possible. Now, hopefully I'll have any toes here. Many people come late to church. And which part do they usually miss? They miss the worship. Right? I've heard even people say, you know, I like church, so, uh, but I don't care for the worship. I like to skip to the preaching part. That is not what this, this that, you've got the whole idea wrong about what church is about. Because what's easier to replicate, listening to a sermon or having worship as a body of believers? The sermon's easy to replicate. You, I've listened to sermons online every week. Nothing, not much changes. But if you're not singing, yes, you can sing in your car to Hillsong or whoever, but it is not the same as us gather, hearing your voice and you hearing my voice. That is, you cannot replicate that as a body of believers. There is no substitute for singing as a church. It's been happening for thousands of years. I'd rather you come on time and then skip out on my sermon. <clears throat> if there's going to be a part that you lag behind, lag behind on that. And many of us, not, not in this church, but the many churches I've been to, people, I see people, where people are worshiping God, but I see other people just standing there. You, you shouldn't just stand there. We need to sing. Right? It says that the song, the celebration of Jerusalem was heard from far away, meaning they were singing loud. Now, I'm not talking about quality. Right? I double check, triple check my mute's on when it's worship time for the, for the my wireless mic. My singing is not great, but I want to sing loud because I love God. Not because I'm an amazing singer. And many of us are amazing. Many of us are not so amazing. That should not take away from how we worship God in song. And right, it reflects truths in the Bible. Like the songs we had today that Gabriel picked out, they were excellent. Fully gospel-centered about what Jesus did for us. That we're a child of God. And that Jesus died for us and rose again. That we'll be in heaven with him forever. That we're prone to wander as believers, but to, to fasten ourselves to God. All of that. Those are truths. Those are truths. But we sing them because it goes from the head to the heart. Right? My emo when I sing, uh, my emotions are more engaged. That's how it should be. And I this is why I encourage expressive worship does not mean you're charismatic or not. Expressive worship is clearly commanded in the Bible. Right? It says David danced for, with all his might before the Lord. So 
Don't be afraid. There's no, no laser beam that's going to laser beam that's going to cut your hands up. You can raise your hands up, and this is like a sign of surrender, right? So I'm putting together. You, you put your hands up, right? And we surrender to God when we worship. And I want to encourage. And many of you are doing this. I'm not discouraging what you're already doing. You are doing this, but to remind us that as we lift our hands when we sing these songs, and say, "I surrender to you, God," and this is how I want to be and who I want to be. These truths that I'm singing. I want to be heard far away. Right? I want our church to be heard far away. Expressive worship. And you can still sing. I think warming up your heart for church or for your daily your daily grinds. You can listen to songs in the car. I sing super loud in the car because no one can hear me. I turn up the turn up the music and, and listen. That's, that can be part of your personal worship. I would also incorporate this into your devotions. Right? Set your heart. If your heart is not connected to Jesus, that's the biggest problem. Your mind might have all kinds of wrong doctrine, but if you love Jesus, you're in. If you have no love for Jesus, I would have questions about whether you truly believe. Third, worship involves rejoicing. There was a party. Right? Celebrate with gladness. Let me find the other verses here. They Look at um, 43. They rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem were heard far away. It, it, and the, the people of Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites. <coughs> They rejoiced the songs of joy of the choirs. And like I said, it was a celebration. So not just the music, but the celebration was heard from far away. They are worshiping God with joy and happiness because he set the wall up. Worship is joy, being happy in God. Celebrate. Have gladness. Many years ago, I went to Japan, and somebody recommended you should see a baseball game there. I was like, that seems silly because I'm American and we have baseball everywhere. But it was crazy. The amount of uh, this baseball game I went to in, uh, I think it was Osaka, there was people shouting, there was singing, there were, like a, there were wind ensembles and marching bands. It was way more intense than any American baseball game I've been to. Just intense. And I loved it. I loved that people were just getting so excited that I didn't know what was going on before I could see on the field. It was all in Japanese. But it was, it was amazing. I highly recommend it because it was like, like nothing I've ever seen before. So much involvement from everybody. And many of us do better at celebrating a sports game than we do at than the Lord who made us. Right? He is, and there's things that I celebrate that are not Jesus, and maybe that's a part of your worship, but I want to be careful that we're not, you know, we come to church and we're like, oh, I've got to do this again, and then we're excited to go home and watch the game. Right? Then, then your, our prayers are misaligned, right? Because God is the most powerful, loving, and wise person in the universe. Right? God gets glory when we have joy in Him. Right? He is the only one 
who can change everything in a, in a minute, in a second. We are made by him. We are saved by him. Past, present, future sins. All your dreams, God can fulfill them. Even if it looks like those dreams are gone years ago. We get to spend forever in heaven with him. Eternity, eternal life. With Jesus forever. Enjoying him, enjoying friends, enjoying family, enjoying growing and learning. That is worth celebrating far more than anything this earth can offer. Far more, because Jesus is worth it. Jesus is beautiful. Jesus will be the, the passion of our hearts forever. So we should have joy. We should celebrate Jesus and what he's done for us. Not be ashamed or not make this some like rigid part of my life that I have to incorporate it at some point, but then I get to go and do my real life later. That is not right, right? The real life is Jesus. Everything else is ancillary, is in the background. We get a new Jerusalem coming down from heaven onto the new earth. That is worth celebrating. And that we know that the future of the Christian always grows brighter. That is worth celebrating. Amen? Finally, as we conclude, worship involves sacrifice. Right? The temple was repaired along with the wall. Sacrifices of animals were made by people. These could be birds, oxes, goats, lambs, grain. People also took up tithes for the priests and the Levites. This was the time they did this. The, Nehemiah made sure that the singers and gatekeepers got paid for this day of worship. And the Levites made sure the priests were being paid, right? He says, each took out a portion, right? So, worship often involves sacrifice. Why do we sacrifice? We sacrifice in worship to show how much greater God is in the other things that we give up. We're saying, God, I give you my time, I give you my money, I give you my hopes and my dreams for myself, for you, because you are so much greater. That's what sacrifice is. This is why giving is a part of the Friday service. Notice I'm trying to collect money or tax you. But since ancient times, giving is, is a sacrificial part of worship. And we say, this money, which represents the time, right? Money is a representation of your time, right? That you put in working. You're saying, I, want, I give this to you, Jesus, because you are so much better than this. And there is difficulty being Christian. There is hardship. There are challenges. And those are sacrifices. But we say, God, it is, it is worth nothing compared to what I receive in you. Right? You look at many made mis missionaries. Uh, David Livingstone is one of the famous ones who said, I never made a sacrifice. Even though he gave up his whole life to serve God in Africa. And died there. Diseases of all kinds. He said, I never made a sacrifice because the glory of loving Jesus is so far greater that this is nothing. This suffering that I go through is nothing. So in conclusion, Gabriel, if we come up, all Christians adore, worship, value, and love Jesus the most. This is worship. 
We worship by thanking God for all we have. Life, salvation, hope, family, job. We worship to God by singing to Him, as we're going to do in just a minute. So it connects to our emotions and our bodies. We worship God by celebrating more than any sports game. Because what Jesus gives us is better, is more exciting. And we finally worship God by sacrificing to Him to show Him his greatness over everything this church has to offer. Amen? Let's sit up on our feet and pray. We'll sing loud and expressively to the Lord this final song.